Hallelujah. And so we're going to be reading from the book of St. John, chapter 20, verses 19 through 30. And when you have that, please say, I have arrived. I have arrived. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, Peace be unto you. And when he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side. Then were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord. Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Ah, God's talking to somebody today. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. Whosoever sins ye remit, they are remitted unto them. And whosoever sins ye retain, they are retained. But Thomas, one of the twelve, called Didymus, was not with them when Jesus came. The other disciples therefore said unto him, We have seen the Lord. But he said unto them, Except I see in his hands the print of the nails, and put my finger into the print of the nail, and thrust my hand into his side, I will not believe. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within, and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then said he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said unto him, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen, and yet have believed. And many other signs truly Jesus did in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. And the word of the Lord is blessed. You may have your seats. Today's message, I want to focus primarily on one of the disciples, apostles, who was not or even today, I should say, not as popular as the others that were there in the midst, in the midst. He is remembered primarily as doubting Thomas. I believe that that is an unfair moniker placed on him, doubting Thomas. The reality is that we have all from time to time, doubted even the Christ that we say we love. We have even doubted whether or not we're truly saved. Did I really experience what I experienced? Did God heal me or was it by chance? All of us has, from time to time, experienced some form of doubt. Even sometimes after a red-hot service, if I could say it that way, when the Spirit of the Lord, you saw the Spirit of the Lord moving, you saw the healing before your eyes, you saw people being delivered and dancing and praising God, but sometime in the quietness of your escape, he said, now, was that really God? And so we all have doubted. But what's really important is what do you do after God confirms to you that it was he, that it was truly an authentic move of God. What do you do from there? What, where do you go from here? 
Thomas? Thomas doubted. He said, except I shall see his hands and put my print, put, put my hands in, his, in the print of the nails and put my finger into the print of the nails and thrust my hand into his side. I will not believe. Show me some proof. Can I tell you something today? God is not intimidated by your desire to see proof. In fact, God understands faith better than us all. And he knows that there must be some element of proof available. Blessed are they that do not see and believe. But you heard about him. That word touched a special place in your heart and you are moved and motivated to receive. Therefore, you can believe and walk in the power of it. So for all of us, we need a degree of something that says it is real. It is touchable. It actually happened. And so God is not intimidated by our desire to see proof. And the reality is, I believe that Thomas deserves to be respected for his faith. <laughs> respected for his faith and his works. Not a great deal is known of his works, but his works are known. In fact, after moving forward uh, in the power of this encounter with Christ, I don't want to say he made a name for himself, but he, he made the name of Christ known to many places and areas. In fact, my wife and I on one of our missionary journeys actually went to the place where Thomas preached the gospel. In fact, it was there that he became a martyr for the cause of Christ. There in the country of India. Many of you didn't know that. Well, we know where Paul went. We know where Peter went and what Barnabas did and, and even Timothy. We know all these, you know, the disciples of that day and those that came out of the disciples of the disciples, the disciples of Christ. It perpetuates. You, even now, you and I are, uh, how can I say, spiritual sons and daughters, if, it, if we can say it that way, of Paul, of Peter, of James, and all of those. But Thomas also went on from that place and did a great work. So don't just judge him what he said in that place. But if you're going to judge, judge what happened thereafter. Thereafter. And so... Jesus is not intimidated by your desire to see proof. When he showed up again, they being in the same place. Jesus says in John chapter 20, 27, as recorded by John, then said he to Thomas, go ahead, reach, touch, feel me. He was saying, handle me and see that I am real. And that's what the Lord is saying to us today. Reach, feel, touch. Handle me, experience me, that you may know that I am real. And Thomas had an epiphany. An epiphany. Epiphany is a sudden revelation or insight. He had an epiphany. This is Christ. He's really here. He really got up like he said. He got up from the grave and he's risen with all power. This is, it, oh my goodness, it's true. It's true. But what do you do after you discover that it's true? Because that's what really matters and will be attributed to you. Once you discover that Christ is real, what do you do from that place? My Lord and my God, he identified him. The epiphany was that this is the Christ. Have you experienced an epiphany with God? Knowing that he really died for your sins. Knowing that he didn't just die for your sin and send you on a journey with a purpose, but he empowered you to accomplish your purpose. Do you understand that you've been empowered by God to do what he called you to do? Until you experience an epiphany 
as to who Christ is, you will never be able to fully commit your life to him and endure all that is to come against you because there is that designated part that will come against you to try and stop your belief, to try and stop your forward momentum. Why am I telling y'all this? You know of the things that have come to cause you to question your salvation, to question your deliverance, to even question your healing. But we walk by faith and not by sight. And God is always faithful. So Thomas, you're here in the room where everyone is huddled together for fear of the Jews. But what are you going to do from here? You're sitting in this room. You're hearing the truth. Have you experienced an epiphany that this is true? This is real? What are you going to do from here? I want to preach to you and teach from the subject today. Moving forward from here. Mm -hmm. Moving forward from here. Here we are. What are you going to do from here now that you have experience the truth of God. You've discovered the empowerment of God in and upon your life. What are you going to do with it? (sighs) Moving forward from here. Now, the subject moving forward from here indicates that there is more for you to do, Thomas. There is more for you to do, Tony. There is more for you to do, Mother Lawson. There is more from here, from this point, after you receive and hear this word in this place today. You've got to move forward in the power of God's word. And the truth is, it puts a spotlight on your purpose. Because what Peter, James, and John, and Thomas was to to fulfill thereafter was their purpose. All the things that God has prepared you to do, to endure, to conquer, all the things that God has prepared and is preparing you to accomplish is to be launched from here. I wonder how many after today, when you leave this place, you're going to be so encouraged and moved that you're going to do some things that you thought you couldn't do. You're going to press through some some self-set, self-made limitations, all because now you discovered and you realize you've had an epiphany that this thing is real, and God equipped, God empowered me to do what I received in my spirit was to do, and regardless of, of, of the things that come against me, regardless of whatever comes that says you can't, you won't, so I'm going to believe God. Whose report are you going to believe? Whose report? Let's deal with the story here. Here they are on the second time that Christ came into this room where they were confused, where they had a small understanding of what was to happen next. Jesus had told them. They should have known. They should have understood. But they're left alone. Remember, When Jesus was with them, they didn't have to worry about anything. If they needed food, food was there. If they needed a piece to sleep, a place to sleep, bedding was made available to them. Whatever they needed. Watch this. Even when they needed money to pay taxes. Hey, we we were Jesus. We don't have to worry about that. The Lord's got it. He's with us. (laughs) You don't know where you're going to get the money from? Go fishing. Somebody know what I'm talking about. Go down and throw in the line, and when you catch a fish, what you need is going to be in his mouth. I've got a revelation about that because whatever you need, it's in your mouth. Hallelujah. You are that fish. Hallelujah. If you speak it, it shall come to pass because Jesus said, if you speak to the mountain, and say, be thou removed. What's going to happen? It's going to move. The power is in your mouth. What you need is in your mouth. Speak it 
believe it and receive it. My God. That's why you got to be careful of what you say. Because the Bible says death and life are in the power of the tongue. What are you speaking over yourself? What are you speaking over your children? So here we are the second time that he shows up. The only difference is now Thomas is with them. And I love this about Jesus because the Bible demonstrates that Jesus always knows what you need, whether you ask for it or not. He knows what you need. Please understand that what Thomas asked for, the others needed, but they didn't have to ask for it. Jesus enters in and says, peace be unto you. He empowers them, but also if you notice at the first experience when he's coming, he says, look on me, touch me, see, my, see the nail scars, I, I'm here. But Thomas had to ask for it. So before you start talking about somebody else, oh, oh, they're just a little face and this and that and so forth and so on, what about you? There are things that God proved himself to you by that you didn't get a chance to ask because he knew that you needed it, and he presented it. Ah, I can relate to this. I remember that there was a time in my life that I wanted to believe something so bad, and it was actually presented, but I was hesitant because I'm thinking, but, but, but can it really be true? Can, can it, there it is, and it's being, but, but is it really true? And so I want to tell you that until I surrendered to the truth, I could not rejoice in the truth. Until I surrendered to the truth, I could not walk in the power, in its liberating power. There's liberating power in the truth. Even if the truth is something negative or bad about you, it's liberating to finally see it. So you, because you can't change it until you admit it, until you face it, until you see it. If you discover that you are a deceiver. Oh, I must be talking to somebody on this side. No, no, I better go down the middle. If whatever you discover, that ugly truth about you, it's liberating because that's when you have the opportunity to change it. It's liberating. And it takes wisdom to receive the truth of God. Wisdom. And God will give you wisdom. He will open your eyes. It is called wisdom, which gives us foresight, hindsight, insight, which those three forces together give us oversight of our lives. In other words, because I can see in the future, because I believe that God has a better place for me to go, I can look at my past and my history to see where he's brought me from. I've experienced some things, and so I see where I am. That's insight. I see into myself right now what I am, what I have become. It's ugly. It's beautiful. It's good. It's bad. This is good, but that's not. Now I have the ability to change my route, to change my course. That is really what the wisdom of God gives you. It gives you the ability to change a course or to stay on course with a greater tenacity, with a greater determination. I only got one amen. I don't know what in the world. Jesus said in John 8 and 32, listen to what he said. He says, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. If it's the ugly truth, by knowing it, by embracing it, it can make you free. I'm so glad that Jesus didn't say it'll set you free because making you free goes beyond setting you free. To set just puts you out there. You can always return back to the ugly. But when you're made free, that means you become what freedom is. You become what truth is. The truth shall make us free. In fact, when I received Jesus Christ, Thomas, when I receive him as Lord and Savior, I can now become made free because I become made in his image and in his likeness. Is this too far above somebody's head for y'all to get this? So it's not enough to be set free. The recidivism rate of jail returners is terrible. Because they've been set free, but they haven't been made free on the inside of them. And so their heart hasn't changed. If your heart hasn't changed, you will continue to exhibit the character of which you really are. Yeah. 
until that booger gets a real heart change, let him stay out there. I'm just trying to be real. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. I am free because I've been made free. Let me deal with Thomas just a little more. If you know of the success, if you knew of the success of him, you would actually applaud him for his valor and his accomplishments. As I said earlier, he launched from that place here, moving forward from here in a positive way, in a real way, having success. And as I said, my wife and I, we've actually traveled to that place in India called Chennai. It was called Madras, but it went back to the first name of it, Chennai, India. And it was there that he did a great work. He had success in ministry. And so if you fully understood uh, all the things that he did in that country and how he died right there for the cause of Christ, you would applaud him, knowing that his launch took place from that day in the fearful place. Regardless of where you are, if it's good, if it's bad, if it's ugly, God can bless you, anoint you, equip you, empower you from that very spot. And then you've got to move forward. Don't worry about what you're into. Don't worry about what you do. God is able to take that and bring it to his glory. Cause it to be for his glory. Move you from convincing people to buy crack. Convincing women and men to sell themselves. To convincing people of the truth of Christ Jesus. What do you do from here? Ah, where is your here? Because I want to deal with you where you are right now. What are you going through right now? What's difficult for you? What are you denying now? Where is your here? And as I would say, each of us has a here. Talk to yourself and say, I'm right here. But what is here like for you? Happy times, bad times, terrible times, times that you feel like quitting, times that you're fearful, but it's not the end. You've got to acknowledge that Christ is in the room. You've got to acknowledge that his hands are still nail scarred, that his side has still been pierced. And out of him came blood and water. My God, my God. The blood was to forgive you of your sin. Ah. His flesh was broken that you can be healed forevermore. I'm trying to talk to somebody today. What is your here really like? Hmm. We all have been in the place called here. In fact, some of us are right there now. That we felt like giving up. We felt like quitting. We felt like dying. But we got a true word. And can I tell you something? Sometimes when Jesus speaks to you, you don't necessarily want to hear what he say. Because you, you ready, willing, you already put the grease on your face. All right, somebody know what I'm talking about. You're laughing a little too hard, uh, evangelist boy. You must know what it means to put grease on me. It means I'm ready to fight. I've had it, Lord. Lord, I'm ready to do your will. They need a good beat down. Here I am, Lord, send me. You know you've been there from time to time. But where do you go from here? Lord, I'm tired, I'm sick, I'm, I've just gone through. I, Lord, I love you, but I, Lord, I, I don't want to keep going through this. I'm just going to give in to it. Whatever the it is. That's what was happening in that room. The second time Jesus had to appear, they were in the same state of mind. They were in the same place. But Jesus is not intimidated about that. He knows that you wanted to do better. You got up to do better, but you stayed in the same place. I know I'm talking to somebody today. You were upset at yourself all the time. You're still eating that cake. Still there in the same place. Jesus, that special loved one, already told, don't eat another piece of cake. It'll kill you if you eat another. And there you are. <laughs> Can't nobody tell you nothing. I 
am reminded of a story um, of a little boy who threw a temper tantrum because his mother would not allow him to have another piece of cake. And she told him to go to bed. And so in the place that the child was, he didn't want to hear that. He wanted what he wanted. Mm-hmm. Somebody might be able to identify with that. And so after a theatrical display of infantile gestures and tears, he threw himself on the floor and said, I'm just going to lay here and die. And the mother says, okay, after you finish dying, get up, wash up, and go to bed. See, what I'm saying is you still got to get to work. After all of that craziness, after all of that theatrical performance, you know that the call of God is still on your life. You know what God told you to do. You can't deny the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can't deny that you prayed, you fasted, God gave you an answer, but now you don't feel like doing what God told you to do. Get up, wash up, and go to work. I didn't say go to bed. I said go to work. Somebody's going to get it after a while. Fear for the fear of the Jews. Here Thomas is doubting. Did, did, did God really say, did God, watch this. Let me, let me make it real. Lord, help me make it. Did God really tell me to marry that man? Lord. I can imagine, oh, 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 okay, say what, you want me to deal with the Bible? I can imagine that Abraham having to deal with his wife, what was her name? Sarah, after the mistake, and it was part of her doing, well, go on and sleep with my maid, go on and have a child with my maid, and, you know, whatever the Lord's will is, all right? And then the baby's born, and now she sees that child disrupting and teasing her child, and she had enough. Is there a woman in the house that has had enough? And so she came to her husband and said, me or her, somebody's got to go, and it won't be me. Send her away. I can imagine that Abraham said to God, Lord, did you really give me Sarah to wait? Lord, are you sure that this is the woman that you want me to have? But he heard the Lord. And see, sometimes the things that God will tell you to do, you're not too happy about it when he says it because it goes contrary to what you think ought to be. But I've learned that God knows best for us. And when you do his will, it's always going to work out. Because the reality is, when God told him to send, uh, what was it, Hagar? When God told him to send Hagar away, God had her covered. God had her take, he sent an angel to take care of him, her, excuse me, take care of her and the child. So when God says something, you can know that everything is going to be all right. But he had to deal with that situation and deal with truth and accept, okay, Lord, okay, I don't understand it. I don't like the way it feels, Lord, but I know you got it. That's how we got to do. I don't know how I'm going to get through this thing. I don't know what's going to happen. Lord, I know what I think I want. But, Lord, I heard you say, and that's what I'm going to do. Is there still faith in the room? Fear can cause you to stall or it can send you running if you don't understand your purpose and the timing of God. You must understand your purpose and the timing of God. Because if not, you would do like Moses. Now, Moses had a heart for the Lord, but everybody didn't understand his situation. Moses was in a peculiar predicament, just as some of you all are, because you got involved in some things that you shouldn't have been in, but now your heart is saved, you love God, 
and you're not sure on how you should proceed. Moses, the truth of it is, Moses was too Hebrew to be trusted by the Egyptians, and he was too Egyptian to be trusted by the Hebrews. And so he got that thing messed up, and it ended up in a fearful situation. When he thought that they were going to applaud him and appreciate him, y'all remember the other day when he went down to visit his people and he saw the Egyptian beating on the Hebrew and he thought, I'm the man, I'm God's chosen. They'll understand. Literally in the book of Hebrews it says, they'll understand that I am their savior. Not that he was the Christ, but he was a type of Christ. That I am their deliverer. The book of Hebrews literally says that. He thought that they would understand, but the Bible says they understood not. Why? Because he was too Egyptian for them and he was too Hebrew <laughs> for the Egyptians see that's why you can't fit in your old circle because you're too Christian to be heathen and some of the Christians got it up you're too heathen to be Christian wearing that lipstick watch this they used to tell us they, they used to wearing those toe out shoes I'm trying to help somebody but you've got to understand that in Jesus' day, all the women, not only did they wear makeup, but they had perfumes galore, precious perfumes, wonderful perfumes, and toe-out shoes. They didn't have no shoes. Barefoot. Women wearing pants. Ain't no, no men wore pants, no women wore pants. They're all walking around in, in dresses. In gowns, because that was the custom of today. So how is it today that when I wear pants, well, it's all right for me to wear pants because I'm a man. You understand what I'm saying? So Moses got on the run because he was fearful. I just want, from that place, moving forward from here, what are you going to do? Once you've heard the truth, how many times does God have to put the truth before you? How many times does he have to present the truth? And it agrees with your spirit, but they said that's not what you're supposed to do. They said, don't let the opinions and the thoughts of the people destroy your purpose. That's a Selah moment right there. That's a Selah moment. Oh, I see so much in my head. And so here he is running. But you see, when you're in the hand of God, he'll work it out somehow because he's God. Moses, the Bible said that he feared that the Egyptians, that the fact that Pharaoh would kill him, catch up to him and kill him. How dare he kill one of mine? And he was on the run. And he ran to the backside. While you're running, God is able to orchestrate your run. He will cause you to run into him. He will cause you to run into your destiny. But you've got to acknowledge and recognize your destiny when you run into it. That's very important. Because you still have the power to say no. But I encourage you not to say no, but yes to God. That's why it's so important that we give God a, 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 a continual, persistent yes why am I being blessed? Because you said yes in the time of trouble. Why, why am I being promoted? Because you said yes and did the work when it was trying. When, are you with me? Because you said yes. And so here we are today. There was a great thing for them to accomplish. And I'm telling you, you're in the same place today. Mothers, sisters, daughters, men, boys, God has purpose for you. He did what he said he was going to do. I got to go to the cross. I'm going to die. That you might have life everlasting. But hold up, hold up. I'm coming back on the third day. The timing of God. He had it just right. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Three. The Holy Trinity. I'm coming back. Three days I will arise. In fact, he told them, look at this. Who can predict or prophesy their death and tell what's going to happen after? And it happens just after. See, you talk about proof. I told y'all, God is not intimidated by your desire to have proof. He did just what he said he was going to do. 
Lord, if that's you. Now, you know, some of us, some of us, we, we get ridiculous with what we ask God to do. You, you got to be realistic and sensible. Lord, if that's you, if that's you, if that's you, take it on from there. You know, it's one thing to say, Lord, let the moon, let the sun stay in place. But no, Lord, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. And after you finish doing this, I want you to go down over here and Lord, and by, by on your trip, Lord, stop by and do this and, and so forth. And Lord, I want a bigger house. I want a bigger house. And Lord, then all of that to prove to you that he's Christ. How about that he simply saved your soul? So Jesus shows up. He knew exactly what they needed. Christ today knows what you're going through. He knows what you need. He knows the hurt, the pain that you're enduring. For some of us, he knows the shame that you're enduring. And he's going to empower you. Nobody in the room asked Jesus to give them power to overcome their adversity. Not one. But Jesus knew what they needed. The Bible says he breathed on them and said, receive ye the Holy Spirit. And they did. Jesus understood their limitations. You too must understand your limitations because God is the answer to your limitations. John 20 and 21. Then Jesus said unto them again, again, peace unto you. As my father has sent me, even so send I you. Pause for a moment. I want you to get the revelation in that what Jesus really said to them. Because what he said to them, he's saying to you. Get this. Hear this, people of God. Peace be unto you. Be still. Be calm. Know that everything is under control. Your world is chaotic. People are dying all around you. Craziness. Shootings here. Shootings there. Cops killing blacks and brown and so forth. It looks crazy. But he speaks. Be calm. Settle yourself down. And in the midst of the craziness, see me. And he says, as my father has sent me, even so send I you. But do you understand what happened in those words? How did God send Jesus to do his work? He gave him all power to achieve with confidence and calm. I don't care how difficult a situation, how crazy it seems. I don't care how much it appears as though you're not going to live another hour. Understand that God has for you to finish your course, to finish your race, to accomplish your purpose. Even so, sin I you. Jesus encountered all kinds of crazy people. And from time to time, it took different types of things for him to do in order for him to have success. There are times when he stood firm and didn't go anywhere else. But there are also times the Bible says that he, in the midst of the crowd, he eluded them all. In other words, he, he didn't always stay and fight. Sometimes he retreated to the rear. No, 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 not retreated. That was that phrase, military phrase. He advanced to the rear. We don't run. We advance to the rear. We regroup. But in it, as God sent me, look at that. Look at what Jesus endured. You've got to see this. We've got about five more minutes. One of the most trying times for Jesus was when he was in his Gethsemane. And he had to move forward from here, which was his Gethsemane. Some of you all have experienced Gethsemane. Some of you all are in a place called Gethsemane now. It is the place of decision. It is the place, it, 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 it's, a, it's an oxymoron. It's, it's a dichotomy. That, that was Jesus' favorite place to go where he could find peace. But what do you do when trouble invades your place of peace? 
When you used to find refuge in stealing away to your closet and praying and talking to God and hearing God, but now the enemy has moved in to your closet. What do you do? And when he reached his limitations as an earthly man, get this! Because there are times that we reach our limitations and can't go no more. It's like Popeye, but there's no spinach available. What was that saying? I can't, I can't take no more. And the spinach would pop out of somewhere, pop open, and all of a sudden he's guzzling it down and pa-bam! Jesus, as the Son of God, had no limitations. But Jesus, as the Son of Man, has limitations. You are the Son of God, and you are also the Son of Man. You have limitations, and only by the Spirit can you conquer and overcome your natural limitations, which means there's nothing that you can't do with the help of God. Lord, help me to convince your people today. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, a place of peace, here, but he had to move on from here with power. God, the word of God says that he sent an angel when Jesus was experiencing a bloody moment, when he was at his wit's end, literally, the Bible says that the tears, the, the, the sweat, the sweat came as though it was blood. Jesus was going through you all, but as the Father has sent me, so send I you. You can overcome this too. You can overcome your doubt. You can overcome your fear. You can overcome your pain. You can overcome your mistrust. As long as you trust the one who can make the difference. His name is what? Jesus. What's his name? What's his name? Jesus. You can be an overcomer beyond your limitations. Watch this. That's what Jesus did for us. You find your limits by pushing them. You increase your limits by challenging them. Did he just say that? You got to find your limits because if you never find your limits, you will never challenge them. You will never push against them. You can do better than you're doing, church. You can praise better than you praise in church. You can pray better. My God, my God. You can live more holy than you live in church. You better get right, church. And let's go home. It's time. I'm trying to, Brother Teddy. I'm trying to preach the best I can. I'm trying to convey to the people, you can do better than you're doing. You can live more holy than you're doing. You, you can walk up right better. What kind of mess is this? You know you can do better than that. I don't know your stuff. Thank God I don't. But you know your stuff. You got to surpass your limits because there's a greater blessing beyond where you are. There's a greater blessing that's within your reach, but it's outside of your limits. But your limits don't have to stop. I come to tell somebody today that your limits don't have to stop. You got to challenge your limits. You got to push yourself until Jesus sends the angel like he did with Jesus and show up and strengthen you and anoint you. That's really what Jesus did in the room. That's what Jesus really did in their here. Hallelujah. He said, receive the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Be filled with the Holy Ghost, which is in all power all strength. He will lead you in the ways you should go. He'll show you how. He'll tell you to stop here, go there, turn here. Hallelujah. He will show you the way of truth. Whatever the Father has said, that's what he's going to speak. And that's what Jesus really did when he exceeded his earthly or human limitations. He put his trust in God. He put his dependence in God. I come to tell you, body of Christ today, when you think you've 
taking all that you can and you can't stand no more. I tell you to stand and stand again on the word of God. I come to tell somebody, keep on trusting God. Keep on believing God. Stand, my God. And when you can't stand no more, God will send help from heaven and the heavenly help, the heavenly host. Whatever you need, God sent it. Whatever you need, you can do more. You can do greater. Don't, my God, don't lay on the floor. Talk about, I'm just going to lay here and die. No, get yourself up. You said, I can't. By the help of the Holy Ghost, God will send the spirit of life. I said God will send the spirit of life. Woo! Why do you think Jesus said, rise, take up your bed and walk. It's one thing to rise, but it's another thing to take that which is heavy and go and walk. Jesus wants you to know today that you can take more weight than you thought. It's more to it than you just getting up and going, but you can carry another load. Hallelujah. Rise. Take up your bed and walk. That's what God is saying to you today. Keep on pressing forward. Keep on living for God. Keep on trusting God. You've got to move from here into the call of God. Somebody give God a praise right now. Look at somebody say, I can make it. Look at another one and tell them, I will make it by the grace of God. I feel like God is empowering somebody right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The power of God, the anointing of God is in the room. Hallelujah. I'm closing. I'm not through, but I'm closing. You've got to move on from here. Whatever your here is, you can do more than that because Jesus says, as the Father has sent me in this fashion, in this form, with this power, with this wisdom, with this knowledge, so send I you. There is nothing you cannot do because God is more than enough to help you through. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I'm closing, but I got to tell you all, this last week I've cried real tears. I've been so sad. I'd even had thoughts of giving up and just going to heaven. Don't get me wrong, I'm not talking about taking my life. I'm not suicidal. For to be suicidal and to commit suicide mean you can't make it into heaven because you can't ask him to forgive you. It's a sin to take your own life. I'm not suicidal. But I felt like I was ready to go, Brother Teddy. I don't want to see this mess. And the reality is I know, according to the word of God, that it's just going to get worse. God, by his mercy, may give us a time of reprieve a time of reprieve God may move on this nation and it's not just our nation that's going through it's important that I say what I say because some of you all don't know what's going on in the world some of you don't know what's going on even in your community but there are those that are trying to destroy this country to rewrite it the way they want it to be extremes on every side so there's shootings, there's killings, there's plottings. I literally cry when I see how the police are killing our people in the street. I mean, real tears. I feel that. I feel that. It hurts. And then for you to say, well, I didn't mean to do it. I, that's not what I, you're lying. But whether they're lying or not, it doesn't bring that person back. And that hurts. It hurts. But God gives me the grace somehow to live another day. Why? Because I understand that my purpose is greater than my pain. Hear me, people of God. 
Because your faith is proven by how much you are willing to suffer for your faith. You say you believe, what will you allow yourself to go through? Help us, Holy Ghost. Help us to be strong in this place, here and now, that we may launch from here and do a greater work. Push your limits and God will help you when you've gone as far as you can like he did Jesus in the garden. I pray that you've received this word and receive it for yourself because God has greater for you to do. Elder Eric, God has greater for you to do. I know you're going through stuff. I can look at anyone and say that. Sister Deaconess, I don't know your stuff. I don't know what you're going but I guarantee you're going through something. Am I lying about it? Every one of you, and I'm closing, every one of you have a here. We have a here. But God comes to help you in your here. In your here. I could have called any given name, but in your here. Father, even now, I've done the very best that I can on this day in this place here and now. But Lord, that your people would move forward from here and do greater for you. My Father, strengthen such a one. Anoint such a one. Help them to walk in the wisdom of the Holy Spirit with foresight, hindsight, insight, and even oversight to accomplish all that you've called us as a body of Christ to do. Let not one be missed. And Father, I pray for salvation of our souls. For what good would it do us to gain the whole world and to lose our own soul? Help us, Lord, to work in the vineyard, even in this crazy day, that, Father, you would be glorified here on earth even in and through us. In Christ's name I pray. Thank God.